This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast. And we get the back view of him. And I mean, it's just a mega. 52 yards is a long shot. Uh, Magnum P.I. is what yeah. we named him. No idea. Just but, a magnum. Yeah, just a magnum. Come on, Cam Ashi. We, we said probably 150, mid 150. Yeah. Same Doe from the morning come out with that nine pointer. Here, here steps out this 90 inch eight pointer. Like, <laughs> yeah. Ah. I'm like, okay, well, there's still a buck back there grunting. Yeah. And then out steps like another 90 inch eight yeah. pointer. I'm like, oh, all right. Yeah. Bro. Yeah. Bro. Yeah. You're like, I'm like, deer, right there. Yeah. Like, and he's 30 already yards. 30 yards. Yeah. He, he was literally five yards from the base of the tree. Could have been at a buck down at 1.40 in the afternoon back there deep on public. Three does come out pretty early. It was like 2.45, 24-yard shot, sent the combat veteran. And I tell you what, man, dude, it just smoked. We always get so jacked up when the other person kills. It's just almost like we got it done. Yeah. And when you kill that doe, I was like, hell yeah, man. We come down here to Missouri. My ass Comey one more time. I'm like, is it a good buck? And he goes, yeah, real good, solid buck. I'm like, all right, boom. <laughs> and the deer just drops. Sure. Super special to me. Whitetail Legacy Podcast, bringing you back to the hunt and leaving a legacy. Baller rut. I bet you can't guess what you're listening to. <laughs> It's the Whitetail Legacy <laughs> Podcast. It's coming at you on this Wednesday, coming at you with a pretty solid episode, a different topic. Um, should I, hear, I, I hear guns in the background. Yeah, guns are ripping. <laughs> that's normal for Whitetail Legacy. I mean, gun hunting, uh, that's that's what we do around here, making gun hunting cool again, one buck at a time. Yes. Um, should I hunt in the rain? That's the topic that we're covering in this episode. We got a lot of energy coming at you. Um, we're going to start out with the people that make this possible. We're going to get into the content. 
Um, this is a good one, man. We got um, Adam Lewis from Soundberry. He actually killed a couple bucks in the rain this year and had a really good hunt. Um, so let's get into the people, and then we'll get, get right to the action. We'll start out with the VIP veteran broadhead. The combat veteran is available with the all-American 100% made steel, guys. Um, if you guys are looking for a new broadhead this year, check out the combat veteran or the regular veteran. It's uh, coming out at a very reasonable price this year. Um, not much more you can ask for out of a broadhead. The combat veteran is shooting true. Um, there's, it's, it's pretty much flawless, man. I'm, I'm in love with it. It's really good to have a broadhead that you don't have to worry about. You know what I mean? It's just shooting. You know what I mean? And you know it's going to kill. Yep, I gave away a couple pieces of the two-blade veteran to somebody who who was shooting the two-blade veteran because I'm pretty much all in on the four-blade. So. Oh, yeah. All right, you got the VIP shout-out. Yeah, this week's VIP veteran broadhead shout-out is Bryce Weatherford. Uh, Bryce served in the U.S. Army for 12 years. Bryce was deployed for a total of three years, and... Uh, Unfortunately, during his three years, during one of his three years overseas, um, he missed the birth of his daughter. And uh, those are the sacrifices that these soldiers are sacrificing for our freedom. So, um, Bryce, I can't imagine missing a uh, childbirth. And uh, I'm not sure that there's anything I can say to replace that. But um, other than, you know, we're thankful for your service overseas and... Um, you know, you signing up to do what you did, and uh, everybody here at Whitetail Legacy and the VIP family, thanks you, man. Yeah, if you haven't reached out for a VIP shout-out, um, and you are a veteran, I just want to thank you, man. That We try to do this. This is something that we don't take lightly. We've been doing it since the very first episode we ever recorded, and um, it's something that we take you know pretty serious we appreciate you guys yeah that one, you do. that one right there hit, yeah, hit kind of hard that one right hits, there. man. We're, we're kids, and um, it's serious stuff, man, and a, a lot of people aren't able to come back, you know what I mean? And they got kids at home, and I see I see those stories, man. It just breaks me down. And uh, we just, you know, thank you guys. From the bottom of our hearts, you know, VIP family, everybody, we, we appreciate you. Um, let's get into ECW calls, all your custom call needs. Embry Cup, EmbryCustomWoodworking.com, right out of Roseville, Illinois. If you guys are local, um, check them out. Um, do you have the Exodus Trail Cam Tip of the Week? Yeah, the Exodus Trail Cam Tip of the Week is be sure you guys are doing the research on your trail cam models to be sure that you guys are running the max SD card capacity that you can. Um, if if you're only able to run a 16-gig card in that cam, then you need to run a 16-gig card cam or 16-gig card. Um, a lot of cams that are run, able to run a 32-gig and, um, you know, there's probably not a chance you're going to fill that up in a month, um, depending on your scenario or how you have your camera settings set up. But um, definitely want to be able to get into the biggest card that you can. Yeah, that's something we talk about, you know, use those nice big cards. But if a guy's running an older cam and it's only good for 16 gigs, he put a 32 gig card in there, walks away. It's and gone. then for three weeks, he gets no picks. You know what I mean, so that's something you need to check. Check out those cams. And make sure that the card that you're running is compatible with that camera. Um, NextLevelDeerSupplements.com. Um, one, just another week. Just want to shout out uh, Nate and Scott for all they do. They're in our Snapchat group. These guys are grinding, man. They're grinding every day to make their company better, to grow one one more person or one more um, distributor or, or 
make shipping better or make the product better or do some more science on this. They're always trying to be the best they can, and um, they're not satisfied with what they got. You know what I mean? That says a lot. They're selling product, and they could just be like, okay, we got a good thing going. People are buying it. They're they're always trying to get better and better and better. So just a giant shout-out to them. Um, solid dude, solid friends. You got anything else? No, man. You, you pretty much yeah. nailed that. Um, if you guys are looking for any supplements, feed, mineral, anything like that, um, we know we have got word that a few of our listeners have bought from Next Level. Um, shout out Matt. You know, yep. we got the word that you were going to try some out. So uh, we appreciate you giving some faith in them, man. We, like I said, they're, if you can mineral or feed it in your state, um, it's a company that isn't only giving you a solid product, but they're not a giant name brand company that you have no face to. It's a couple dudes who has families in Nebraska that are trying to grow a business and you and, can uh, call and talk. You to can them. call and talk to them and get all the knowledge or whatever you want to know. So, all right, Embry or Ingram's outdoor <laughs> obsession, all your taxidermy needs. Um, man, your turkey mount. I'm excited to see it. What'd you go with? You never really said what yeah. you went with. I would say, um, so I'm gonna go with the full strut. And full then, strut. Um, Spurs showing. No wings down. What are you doing? Yeah, I got wings down. Mm. So what's when, the Spurs like on that? Well, bird? the Spurs Spurs are maybe weak. five eight. Yeah, they're ah, weak. They're weak. They're, as they're hell. weak. Five eight. I know. I, I should have passed. Even it. on a tape measure, he's, he's just a solid two year old. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I did ask Ingram like because I'm probably not gonna get him out of his shop. Um, how I'm gonna have him mounted finally because I'm gonna do kind of yeah. the grand slam mount. And um, Ingram said that, you know, they, they put wires in their feet and you're able to manipulate them wires from so you can put like one from display to, from <laughs> display to, to display. So um, well, he'll be probably full strut, you know, feet, you know, pretty much just like he's walking. And then um, when, S- I, when I get him. Snoo game strong. Uh, his snoo games is it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Right. I mean, well, it, was a three, to see it. it was a three incher. It was a three inch. It's a three inch. I mean, that's so, decent. I mean, it's snoo. not. We're not competing with the Nebraska that's boys. That's probably but, the average. I mean, it's decent. For, for <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, um, and then when I have him on the final display, it'll probably be you know his feet will kind of be curled up on some red dirt. Um, oh, nice. That'd be so, cool. Yeah. Yeah. A little red dirt. Yeah, yeah. I I seen a a better display of the, like the Grand Slam Mountain. The the guy had a setup and it, he had more habitat than the yeah. other one did, and I really liked it. I really so I was like, like habitat, I, man. I yeah, I would say really good. The turkeys it really can yeah. really carry a lot, and I'd like to get some red dirt right yeah. there, and uh, really I love those, set that off. Those easterns with like the morels and the moss and the grass and stuff. Maybe like you know a forked horn down yeah, there, and just something. you know sitting. Cool. Yeah. 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 So all right, that's kind of the. Yeah. I'm the Ingram motto. to crush it. Whatever he's he does, gonna he'll smoke crush it. it. Yeah. yeah. So. All right, man. Well, we're going to get into this episode. We're talking, should I hunt in the rain? This is a pretty mm, sketchy topic, I think. You know what I mean? We, we yeah. covered it in this episode. Um, you guys are going to enjoy. All right, guys. We got a good one coming at you this week. Um, we're talking to Adam Lewis from Soundberry. How are you doing tonight, man? Doing good. How are you guys doing? We're doing good. We got, we got some Moscow mules over here going low cow tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure my throat don't dry out. Yeah, well, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, we appreciate you coming on, man. I'm excited to learn about Sound Barrier, and then we're also going to talk about something that me and Homie has thought that there's a low-key tactic forever, and that's yeah. bucks in the rain or right after rain. And um, you wrote a really good blog about this 
um, on your page there at Sound Barrier. And uh, like, just just so a lot of people know, you have a ton of good blogs on there. If you like to read content, um, that SoundBarrierHunting.com has a lot of good good uh, good content on there for hunting. I really like the buck bedding one. Um, enjoyed that a lot, and then also like this um, this hunting in the rain, and then also that giant one that you had the story of that guy hunting and then you did a blog oh, so it yeah. was super cool yeah well thanks yeah um a lot of stuff on there and hopefully you guys can get something out of it yeah i think i think you keep putting stuff out people will find it and hopefully i know you get some followers a lot of our followers are whitetail enthusiasts that want to learn and uh you guys check out their <laughs> check out their blogs because if i'm learning some good content for it there's some good stuff in there but um, let's start off and just let the listeners know a little bit about you and a little bit about Sound Barrier. Yeah, so uh, I've been hunting 28 years. I uh, in, live in southern Michigan, and so Michigan's a uh, you know has a big hunting heritage, but there's also a ton of hunters, so it's really high pressure. And probably about five years ago or so, I started a business called Sound Barrier, and it really centers around. Uh, a problem I had, I know a lot of hunters have, and that is noise we make and how that affects uh, our hunting, you know. And so, really, the, the blog is centered around that, although we cover tons of topics on whitetails. But our products um, is called Buck Bumper, and it really is just, I didn't, noise was a problem as far as, you know, coming and going, but also, you know, your equipment, you have, you know, your stand, your sticks, camera arms, all this stuff that can make noise, right? Metal, plastic. And I really couldn't find anything out there that really worked great uh, to silence that. You know, there's the uh, moleskin stuff, you know, the fuzzy stuff, which works okay, but um, I wanted something better than that. So we came up with this thing called Buck Bumper. It's a wrap. You can wrap any of your equipment with it, uh, your sticks, you can completely wrap those, camera arms, uh, you name it. And there's also a buck bumper thick, which is a thicker one that is kind of a strip that you can put in contact areas and stuff like that. So like under my tree stand where it's metal on metal and you're making noise, putting it up or taking it down, you can silence that. So it really is just something to, to help uh, the south area especially with bow hunters that, you know, we're in there hunting tight a lot of times, uh, going after these bucks, and we just have to be silent. If we make a mistake, you know, it, that's that's kind of the end of it. Um, so anyways, it, it's it's based around that, and it's called Buck Bumper. And so we sell that, you know, through the website, and uh, it's just the best solution I could find to come up with to, uh, to solve that noise issue. So that's what Soundbear is about, and again, I also have a blog where I write about all things whitetail on there and uh, share my experiences and different things on there that, uh, you know, like you said, it's just a lot of content and good things to uh, to look at and to discuss. So that's kind of the nutshell, I guess, of, uh, of, of the website and, you know, what I'm doing there. Um, and as a writer, you know, some of those... I've got published too, so that's kind of a, a side gig uh, all in itself. But nice, um, that's epic, man. Get some stuff published. Like I said, there's a lot of good stuff on there. I haven't had time to read through it. There's a, like I said, props before we started, we have a blog, and it it takes a lot of time to write that stuff. People don't understand, 
the amount of time it takes to write something down on a computer and then get pictures to go with it and et cetera. And, um, it takes a long time to put that stuff together. And then it's good. It's good that you're getting some exposure from it. Cause you deserve it, man. Appreciate it. Yeah. And then I, that the sound barrier, I could see a lot of good uses that it would come in for just like we were talking our camera arm. We run that fourth arrow and that tool tings on that camera arm. It seems like every other time we're setting it up and, I feel like that would be the perfect place to run that down. And also on that mobile, the mobile, um, what was it, the bracket, mobile bracket for it? Oh, yeah, that, that run and gun bracket. Yeah, that yeah. run and gun bracket. It was pretty loud. So uh, that would be another great place. But um, yeah. we're going to talk really? about hunting bucks <laughs> in the rain. Um, this is something yeah. me and Homie have had people on. And I don't know how many Legends episodes it was that we had. And people were like, right before rain or right after rain or during the rain, this buck come out and, uh, I'm excited just to, to hear your theories on it and, um, just go ahead and break it down, man. Yeah, well, definitely theories, you know, <laughs> what I, what I try to do, you know, and, and the blog really helps with this one, I actually wrote one blog where the whole point of the blog was pointing out that to become a better hunter, if you really, can write about it or, you know, think about it. Uh, it really makes you analyze why deer would do what they do. And it helps you learn a lot. So just by doing something like that, it helps you really reflect, you know? And so this one topic, yeah, hunting in the rain is I'd heard a lot about guys saying, Oh yeah, I've had my best hunts in the rain. Uh, I've hunted, uh, in rains before, you know, and, Sometimes you see deer and sometimes you don't. But um, in particular, last year I had this hunt that was in the rain, and it was really interesting the things that I observed. And like I said, you're used to kind of you come up with theories about. Um, so I hunt Michigan, I hunt Ohio, uh, Central Ohio. And so when I go down there, uh, because of my job, I can only go down for like a weekend here or there. So I have really limited time. Um, I have to make the most of it, right? And so this past year kind of set the table, so to say. So this past year, I didn't have a lot of luck in Michigan early on. So I was really looking forward to Ohio. And the first couple weeks of November obviously are, you know, the the best times, uh, the rut, rut times of the year. And so I went down there, I think it's the first, like the first weekend of November. And I have a couple properties I hunt, and I'm kind of bouncing back and forth trying to figure, you know, where to hunt and where the deer are, where they aren't. And during that hunt, I saw a lot of buck activity on one property and really passed up some really nice uh bucks you know like three-year-old i passed up a 10 point that gives this huge body you know 10 point it was like a 10 yards um on this hunt i was just seeing a lot of activity like they were just starting to chase and i few years ago, you know, I probably would have pulled the trigger on one or two of these bucks, but um, the day before I left, I got this picture on a trail camera of this just really big 10-point, probably the biggest one I've ever gotten, uh, 
trail camera. Huge 10 point, had like 12, 14 inch tines, G2s, um, and just a massive buck. It was in, there in daylight the day before. So the last day I hunted, you know, I was, I was just looking for him pretty much. Uh, so I saw a lot of activity. Uh, I passed on those bucks and I plan on coming down, you know, the next weekend. Um, I noticed a lot of the activity was in one particular hub and to kind of describe this property, it, it's only about 35 acres. Uh, it is pretty much just goes downhill when you walk on it. You're walking downhill toward the bottom, and the hill continues to go down even off the property. So I was toward the bottom. It's super thick on this property, and there's just kind of two tracks cut throughout it. And so you kind of pretty much have to hunt on the two tracks where there's some openings. And so I noticed that all the bucks that I saw that weekend had gone through this one hub at some point of about four or five of these two tracks that came together. So before I left, I hung a stand there, uh, you know, planning on the next weekend that, hey, these bucks are just firing up. The next weekend should be perfect, and this looks like the spot to be, you know. Um, so next weekend, you know, I'm looking forward to it, and I look at the weather, though, and I see there's this huge rain front coming through uh, for the first day or two that I'm going to be there. And, you know... I definitely am going to go down there because this is like my opportunity. Um, but the question comes up, you know, do I hunt in the rain or not? Um, and I know that's one of the things and feel free to jump in here at any time guys, but, uh, a lot of people, you know, are back and forth on this, whether it's ethical or not, uh, because and I'm not talking hunting in like straight downpours where, you know, the winds are, 50 miles an hour, 50, 60, and, uh, but just like a good rain, you know, it's supposed to be medium rain all day. You know, is that ethical to hunt? Some guys will say, yeah, you know, go ahead. Other guys won't do it. Right. And so I'm kind of, you know, weighing all that stuff because obviously when you're hunting in the rain, it's, you're soaking all your gear, right. And your, your bow's out in the rain your rest, you know, I have a uh, fall away rest that uh, can become an issue, especially if it freezes up or something, gets all wet inside. Um, our clothes are getting wet, you know, uh, you can't hear it all, you know, during the rain. Um, and so things become very difficult. And then obviously, if you get a shot, uh, you're not going to have much of a blood trail. So, you know, it, there's an ethical question there. So I deliberated on all that, but, you know, I had this picture of this huge buck in daylight, and I decided that I was going to hunt, you know, the, that time during the rain instead of waiting, you know, and wasting a couple of days and then having, like, one or two days uh, left to hunt, and that's it. So I get down there, um, go back to that same stand that morning. It's raining, you know, kind of a medium consistent all-day type rain uh it was supposed to break in the afternoon i think but it was you know just one of those big soaking you know consistent rains so i go down there and get in the stand and you know it's daylight maybe a little before seven in the first couple hours like i didn't see a hair 
I mean, there's nothing, and I'm I'm getting soaked. My equipment's getting soaked. You know, I mean, I have this rain gear on, but it's starting to you know get get damp through it and stuff. And um, you start wondering a little bit, you know, why you're why you're doing what you're doing. And <laughs> For sure, <laughs> right? <laughs> why you're out there, and then you know, again, like okay, now my gear's all soaked, and I've got you know three more days to hunt. This could maybe mess that up, but. So about oh, a little after nine, I think. Look back where I wrote here about nine eleven in the morning. Hadn't seen a hair, and then it's like a light uh, switch turned. It's still raining. I had it about a hundred ten inch or so eight point come up the hill about fifty yards away, and the only way I could describe these bucks' behavior that I'm going to talk about is that they were almost uh panicked they were kind of frantic in their uh they were searching for does there were no does in the area that i knew of like i didn't see any all morning these bucks weren't tracking does they weren't you know like one walk through and they're on its scent they were just like frantically looking around so this buck is kind of you know he's moving fast he's looking he's sniffing he's trying to obviously find a doe and he moves through pretty quick and, and walks up the hill. Um, about 20 minutes later, I'm looking behind me and uh, in front of me was kind of my best opening for a shot. And that's where all the deer kind of moved through the weekend before. And I'm looking behind me for what didn't seem like very long. And I turn around, and because it's raining and everything's wet, you can't hear a thing. So you're, you're just trying to look everywhere at once, right? And I turn around, and I see this huge eight-point, probably I mean, just big body, really muscly. You can tell he's, you know, a mature buck, four, at least four or five years old. Huge body, huge neck, big, probably, you know, 140-inch eight-point. And he's walking through my opening at like 20 yards and i grab my bow by the time i grab the bow he's in the brush and he's going where i don't have a shot so that the thing i feared the most had just happened you know this shooter walked right past me i didn't even hear him coming um threw some grunts at him you know and he he's so he walks up the hill and as he's walking up the hill we're eye to eye at that point because uh, he's gaining elevation. I throw some grunts at him, and he turns, and he's looking right at me um, in the tree. And he acts like he wants to come back, but, you know, there's no deer there he can see. You know, you can tell he, he knows something's up, and he just keeps going the way up the hill there. Um, so that was disappointing. But there's two bucks within 20 minutes that were doing the same thing, and he was also kind of just quickly frantically kind of searching and not your typical chasing but it, it was just kind of weird behavior from what i've seen during the rut um about 10 minutes later another eight point behind me doing the same thing works up the hill and then at about nine i think it's around 9 50 so all this is within about 40 minutes i look straight ahead of me kind of uh parallel down the side of the hill and I see this just really big body deer like trotting straight at me and I mean this everything I'm 
about to say happens in about eight seconds. There's this huge body of deer is trotting right at me. He turns his head, looking sideways. I can see he has a really big uh, set of antlers on him. I could tell he's a shooter, you know, about the first two seconds. He's trotting right at me, and I only have one little hole that he's going to go through. Uh, so I grab my bow quick. I grunt at him, mouth grunt at him, and he stops almost perfectly in the hole, but, you know, a little bit off center, and he kind of turns sideways. But when he does, I mean, he, he also looks right at me. <laughs> so he's got me pegged, and I know I just have a very limited amount of time to make a decision. Uh, so I draw, and I had to squat down almost to the seat because I was standing up. I had to squat down as I drew, and he's staring at me the whole time, and get on him and shoot. So all that happened in about eight seconds. I shoot, the arrow's going right for, you know, the middle of his ribs, right behind his shoulder, looks good. But as I shoot, and I'm seeing the arrow going, he immediately pinwheels and runs off. And so and he's, you know, 18, 20 yards. So all that happened so quick, and I see him go off. He, he looked, his flag wasn't up. He looked like I hit him. I just couldn't tell, you know, did he pinwheel before or after I hit him? Or, you know, right in the middle, and how, you know, how did I hit him? Still raining, right? So I didn't want to wait very long if there was any blood uh, to get washed away. So I got down probably 15, 20 minutes just to look at the arrow and you know kind of my one of your worst nightmares i get down and the arrow has nothing but brown bile on it oh boy i mean just just garbage no blood and the only sign around the area was white belly hair i'm like great you know i i clipped his guts he must have spun you know as i shot and I hit him, you know, clipped him low. So, you know, that was not a good feeling. But so I start, I knew where he went. And I, so I, I carefully walked out maybe, oh, maybe 120, 150 yards. Uh, just searching, you know, looking for blood. I couldn't find any blood. So kind of the worst scenario, <laughs> talk about hunting in the rain, is this, right? Uh, you don't know the kind of shot you made. Uh, any blood is now gone, and I don't think there was much to begin with. And so I start looking for blood. can't find that. I, I go direction. I saw him go about 150 yards scanning. I don't see a body. Right. So, and if I would have hit him good, I felt like he should have been within that area. I do that a couple of times. And I'm feeling pretty, pretty awful about, you know, the chances of me finding this buck. Um, long story short, setting the stage here, but long story short, I back out. I think about it, you know, I call a few people, I talk to my dad, you know, and I really thought that I wouldn't find this deer because um, I couldn't track him. Uh, because the property was so thick, if he got, if he started wandering around, there'd be no way to know where he went. Um, some parts of this property are so thick, you can't see, you know, 10 feet. So, 
backed out, um, didn't feel good about it at all. But the next day comes, I wait, go back out the next morning, about 24 hours, you know, it passed. It got really cold and snowed, you know, that afternoon and at night it was really cold. So I said, well, you know, if that arrow went where it looked like it went, that deer should be dead. It's just, can I find him or not? And so, you know, I, I kind of felt there was a 50-50 chance. And he went toward this ridge, and that's kind of where I stopped. Over the top of the ridge is a, goes down, and there's a creek, and it gets really thick. And actually, uh, in 2016, I shot a 13-point that went and did the exact same thing. He went down the thick stuff in the creek, and that's where I found him. So I figured if he went in a straight line, if he was, you know, hit good or at least decent, he would be somewhere down in there and would have stopped. Um, and, and that would be my best bet at finding him. So I, I picked up, you know, where the shot was. I went back on the same line, no blood, no blood. I went over this ridge, which was kind of clear, kind of open on the top of this ridge. And I decided I'm just going to go down this ridge. I'm going to walk parallel to this creek in the thick brush. And I'm just going to start looking, just start scanning. Um, and literally 50 yards into that, probably like 15 minutes after I started, he was laying right there. And I, I'm pretty sure he's probably about a couple hundred yards from where I shot him. I'm pretty sure he went pretty much straight there on a line and just fell over dead. Um, it turned out to be actually a pretty decent shot. It was, uh, I got long liver and then it clipped his stomach on the way out. And that's what, what all that I saw was that. Um, so anyways, <laughs> uh, ups and downs, right. of that story of hunting in the rain. But the interesting thing, uh, was afterward, I started thinking about it. I'm like, just the behavior of those four bucks, right? Within 50 minutes, 40 bucks, which isn't super out in the rut if they're following a doe. Uh, but these bucks were really panicked, acting really frantic, and they're, you know, they're searching, which was weird to me. And so, you know, try to figure out why would they do this, you know, and theorize that. And... So these are some of the things that I came up with that I, I think to me make a lot of sense. Um, and for me, you know, the, again, a lot of pros and cons with uh, or cons with hunting in the rain. But this to me makes me want to hunt in the rain every time now. So my theory is that, first of all, the things that kind of add up, added up to this behavior was it was obviously the peak rut. Uh, that was kind of set the stage for everything. Uh, I, I don't think you definitely would have that kind of behavior or it would make as much sense to hunt in the rain if you don't have a really big reason to. And then this reason was it was a rut. So bucks were obviously moving. They were seeking, trying to find does. Um, I think that, you know, was the first thing to set it up. But the big... Big thing is to their behavior, I think, uh, was their inability to smell. If they were not with the doe at that time, they could not track one because of all the rain. 
and they probably couldn't smell on the, the wind very well either. So it, pretty much their sense of smell was gone, uh, which is, you know, what they would primarily use uh, to find those. So the only thing they had left, they couldn't hear, obviously, because, you know, couldn't hear a deer walking around and go check it out. Just like I couldn't hear the buck that, you know, the first buck that I missed that came through, the big one. Uh, they couldn't smell the does. They couldn't track them. They couldn't get downwind of them. They couldn't. That sense was totally knocked out. They couldn't hear and go investigate a doe, you know, moving around in the brush or in the leaves. Uh, so they're only down to one sense, and that was sight, which is their weakest sense. And really, on this property, is so thick, they couldn't, even that wasn't that great. They couldn't see very far. So this forced them, you know, kind of, I guess, a panicked, frantic state to just start running around and cruising and trying to see other deer, trying to see does. Um, and so I just thought that was really interesting that all those things added up, uh, at least in my theory, to cause that kind of movement uh, at that time. And so for me, hunting in the rain, that made a lot of sense uh, to do if you have some of those things that line up. Yeah, I could see them not being able to smell as being huge. Um, I, you know, like a, a dog, if the ground's wet, they could smell a little better, but in a heavy rain, they can't, you know what I mean? So I guarantee you they, they're not going to smell where you walked in. And then um, with the wind and your scent, I would think that scent would get pushed right to the ground with with it, with a medium rain, you know what I mean? Um, this is something me and homies talked about a lot is like, is, is it going out there worth it? But when you hunt in the rain, it is absolutely brutal. Like it is one of the hardest things to do, especially if it's around that 40 degree or colder mark. Like it is really hard to hunt in a light, even a light rain when it's 40, you know, snow is great. Like you can brush snow off you can keep your clothes dry. You know what I mean? But, uh, rain is, is hard. You know what I mean? And, uh, this is something we've like, man, we don't, you don't want to miss a day, but, uh, we've, we've hunted blinds in the rain before, but when you hunt a blind in the rain, you cannot hear anything. You cannot see anything. And we figured out during turkey season <laughs> that the noise off that blind is actually scaring deer. So that's something that we're not going to do anymore. You know, the rain hitting that blind is unnatural and that's something that we're not going to do anymore. And, uh, it's hard to, you know, a lot of times, even, you know, during the rut in Illinois, it might warm up to 40 during the day and you might get a little rain, you know what I mean? So I think it's important to be out there. But like you said, the tracking's where it comes in, man. If you don't have blood and you're in a thick area like we hunt or like you were talking, it's hard to, uh, it's hard to, to find that deer. And that's where the line's drawn. Like, I got to put a money shot on this deer or come back and do a body search like you did. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, it's definitely not a no-brainer, I guess, uh, in, in that regard. Yeah. Um, it's definitely a tough call. Yeah, it is. And But, we, you know, we're big on, like I said, not missing any days as possible. If you have a day to hunt, you you should be out there trying to get it done. With us being dads and, you know, working full-time, not podcasting for a living and hunting for a living, <laughs> if you got a day to hunt, you got to utilize it. So, um 
those days on light rain, we're definitely going. But man, if if you got a thunderstorm coming in, you know, or a medium rain, but a a lot of a lot of episodes like we were talking before, um, right after that rain where it's heavy and then it starts to begin light, those same kind of story. The bucks are frantic. They're running around. They're doing stuff that they wouldn't be doing normally. And I think it's probably because their senses are at like the lowest they can possibly be. Um, I mean, I wonder if he even has to do, you know, they're, they're soaking wet too. You know what I mean? And I, you know, they don't care if they get wet, they're used to it. You know what I mean? They're used to getting rained and snowed on. And that's like people do hunt in high winds. I mean, deer are used to high winds. You know what I mean? Like they live in that environment. It's rough for us, but they live in that environment. So mm. I think this is a super cool topic that. I think a lot of people miss a lot of good days in the rut because, ah, it's 25 mile an hour wind. I'm not going, or it's raining. I'm not going, or, you know, there's a storm coming. I could hunt two hours in the morning that I'm going to be wet and I'm got the, you know, deer aren't going to move in the rain, which I think is completely false. So, yeah, I think you have to really look at the type of rain too. Like this again was a medium rain. It wasn't, like a torrential downpour with high, high winds that, you know, like a hurricane is coming through. Um, I think there is differences there. Like years and years ago, I hunted literally in a hurricane. I think it was when uh, Hurricane Sandy maybe was coming up through, uh, you know, made land. It was coming up through Ohio and it was probably producing 60, 70 mile an hour winds. And I was, young and dumb and i i was you know in ohio i'm like i'm gonna hunt you know i didn't see any deer right uh there is certain weather that deer are just gonna bed down and hunker down yeah yeah i believe that too if the heavy rain or high high wind i feel like it is but even this shotgun season you know we had a couple crap days raining and stuff and you went out in it you know what i mean and right. I feel like a lot of people were like, oh, it's raining. I'm not going. You know what I mean, I feel like that's not the right thing to do is um, get out there and try it. Just like your case, you know, it worked out in, in your benefit. Um, getting into your stand, way quieter. Accessing yep. way quieter. If you're hanging a stand, you're going to – I mean, you know what it's like when it's raining in the woods. It's loud. You know what I mean? Um, the only bad thing is those leaves get wet, man. They come in like ghosts. I mean, it's all visual, just like the deer from there on out, you know. Yeah, you know, I think a lot of guys will avoid, will just look at the weather and see rain and avoid it and then plan all their days. Um, But, you know, they could be missing out. Um, If it's, like I said, a really moderate rain, like you said, you can get in there. If you're going to set a stand, like I always try to set stands uh, when it is raining or high winds just for that reason that can't hear you um you know the rain's gonna wash your scent away uh so that is in your favor and just again the, the sense thing like they they can't smell they can't hear you know they've got to move around if they're going to unless they're bedded down unless it's, they're hunkered down because the weather's so bad which um would be extreme weather but if it's just raining and it's kind of miserable, but, you know, it's bearable, um, a lot of guys avoid that. But I, I think they're missing opportunities like, you know, like the example here. 
that deer will move in that, right? And actually, they're forced to move more uh, if they want to move. You know, they, they, they have to get up, uh, especially the rut. And I think the rut, again, is the key that really uh, flips the switch a little bit. Yeah, I don't know if, like, early early October rain, I feel like if a cold front's coming right after that rain and pushing in, it'd be good to go. But definitely during the rut or shotgun season or something like that, um, those deer are going to move. They're going to want to chase does. Um, we've hunted in the rain multiple times now, and like I said, it, it it sucks. There's nothing fun about it. When you're wet, it, it sucks. And with us, you know, filming, a lot of times we're like, well, throw a bag over the camera, you know, or throw the, you know, the, now we have a water shield from Badlands. You know, it's a pack cover, but we use it as a camera cover, and um, that's mm-hmm. what we've been using. But it doesn't mean we're not going to be in the woods. And what was it? It was Josh Brody. Um, he was a legend that killed right after a rain. Um, who, I'm trying to think of the other one. I mean, we're talking like world-class deer that were killed right after, you know, 170, 180-plus deer that were killed right after a rainstorm or right, you know, when the rain started to be light. And uh, yeah. it was multiple episodes back-to-back. That's why, you know, having you on, talking about it, you know, talking about a little pros and cons. I mean, the con is is if you shoot the deer and it is heavy rain you're gonna have less of blood trail um if you can get that deer to die you know within sight distance no problem but if it's something that you're gonna have to track there is a moral question there you have to choose what you want to do but um goes back to do the pros outweigh the cons you know you got another day hunting the potential for when this rain stops the deer are gonna move really good um it's the rut anything can happen so you have to kind of choose what you want to do there and uh I'm always for hunting, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Unless it's a torrential downpour, um, kind of like the day you shot your buck, you know, the snow melted. We had less blood, but we still had enough blood to find the deer, you know what I mean? And uh, I've never personally tracked blood in the rain. Have you ever tracked blood in the rain? I, I've done a little bit just in, like, shotgun season stuff, but nothing like with a bow in, in early November, late October, anything like that. It just kind of is, like, washy on the leaves, and, I mean— if I could definitely see if there's a medium to heavy rain, like it'll be off the leaf, no yeah. problem. What do you think, Nick? Have you ever tracked anything in the in the rain before? Uh, no. No, yeah, I've never tracked anything in the rain to where I could have that like pro con value. Um, but like I said, hopefully you put a good shot on the deer and it dies within sight. You know what I mean? And you don't have to worry about that. But it does go back to a moral question at the end: to is this ethical to go out here but i would say yes just don't take a bad shot you know what i mean you know what i mean but sometimes stuff happens like i've had the same thing happen like you happen a deer turns when you shoot um and you make a bad shot that's happened to me on absolute giant deer you know what i mean so um i'm gonna say you you were just saying um that you don't feel like a rain is gonna get a deer up at the beginning of october and i agree with that but I feel like once that they really start running scrapes and, you know, running yeah. them, them scrapes hard, you know, that October 15th through the rest of the month, especially the beginning of the rut, um, like I've said on here, I don't know how many times, like that's something that I look for and I like to key in on 
in that late October time frame because I feel like that it's going to get them bucks up to hit them scrapes and like I'll be Ghost hunting did. in that area. Because Ghost was right around a rain, right? Yep. And then he came and refreshed that scrape. Yep, I had the camera out and I put the camera away because it literally was almost raining sideways on me and then it blew over and it was still cloudy but the, the wind had calmed down and uh, he come out right on the field edge and w- had to walk right down the tree line and then boom, right there he is on... Uh, on a licking branch with two scrapes underneath of it. And then he just pops right in the woods and 16 yard shot. And, you know, then he's done. So, um, I feel like that that rain had a major impact in getting him up. He wanted to freshen those scrapes. Exactly. The first one there to hit it. And it might've gave him a little extra, um, a little extra on his nose, you know, to get that, that moisture on his nose with that little bit of rain. Yeah. I mean, even like bass and fishing, you know I mean? That, that, front coming in has an effect on wildlife you know what i mean so that could definitely have a movement mm. factor on deer i wish there was some scientists that could break this down and be like yeah if a rain's coming in you guys need to be out there <laughs> yeah i think it's just one of those things where you see patterns over time you know and if you never do something for some reason you, you don't know Right. Yeah, exactly. We've said that multiple times. If you don't try something, you never know it's going to work. You know what I mean? If it, if you try it and you're like, this is not for me, then you know. But if you don't ever try it, then you're like, well, I'm next year or There's next still month, this. Yeah. yeah, I'm going to give this a go. You know what <laughs> I mean? And that's, that's what we were talking about this year. We're trying all that stuff that we're like, ah, we say it every year, but this is the year. <laughs> we're trying all that stuff that we're on the edge, you know, like, ah, we might try this. No, we are trying it. And uh, and if it's a flop, we're going to have fun. We're going to have fun trying yeah. a bunch of new dumb stuff. You know what I mean? And uh, hunting in the rain, man, if you got it done in the rain, it would be super fun. <laughs> but, right. But until that point, it wouldn't be fun. So I'm Yeah, saying- it's worth it. It's worth it if you, you know, have success. And it's not saying that just because it's raining, you're going to see deer. You know, it's – it's just an opportunity that a lot of people don't take or avoid that maybe they should, you know, that they should think about. Yeah, for sure. I would say it is a, um, you know, you kind of, your heart kind of sinks a little bit when that deer does run out of, of range, just like it did when, when I shot ghosts, you know, he went up over that last ridge and I was like, oh, okay, you know, like we might have a problem here. And sure enough, you know, I did have a problem finding blood. So, um, just always got to have that thought in the back of your mind when you're out there at that time. Yeah, I, th- I think it is, though, too, is, you know, not, like you said, not taking chances. Like, know what your shots are, What decide beforehand what shots you will and will not take. You know, where if on perfect weather days you'll take a 40-yard shot, you know, in the rain, you're only going to take this shot. I'm only going to shoot. 25 yards or 20 yards yeah that's a good that's a good tactic to use man maybe maybe the rain maybe lower that yardage down and and uh, you still want to be out there but you don't want to wound anything and not find it you know i mean so maybe lower that yardage down because we're just talking you know our groups from 40 to 50 are dramatically different you know i mean so if you know lower that down to 30 your odds of making a good shot are so much better um there's guys out there that can just shoot bows like missiles, you know what I mean? And mm. 
I can shoot it pretty good, but I'm not. I'm not no X. You know, yeah. I'm not no X here. Especially throw 50. you know a 150 out in front of me. Yeah, like, holy get, get shit! Me all jacked up and yeah. everything. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, I think it's just being smart about it. You know, if you're going to take the the you know slightly higher risk of doing it, it's just being honest with yourself and your capabilities and um, just taking less risk if a situation comes up. And also, I think deciding beforehand. You know. That's when you need to make those decisions, not when you're out there. But uh, I think if you do that, I think it's a good opportunity um, to see movement that you might not regularly see. Uh, and, you know, it could turn out well. And I think also knowing your area, like I knew this land pretty good. So I knew based on what he did and experience where I was pretty sure he was headed and would be uh, unless he just started wandering around and didn't die. Um, and that was a huge help for me because if you don't have that, or you don't have a history with the property, um, you can make guesses, but I think it, then it gets a little tougher. Yeah. Knowing the potential thick areas or where a bucket went in the past and died, et cetera, stuff like that. Um, Literally three of the deer that I've killed on the private were, well, two of the deer and one that I jumped up alive were within 100 yards of each other, all dead. You know what I mean? So that was just an area that deer went to die. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And they were all killed out of the same stand, and they could have went left, right. They all went the same direction and ended up dying within 100 yards of each other. So um, that goes to say, like, if it is raining and you do know your property, you know the areas that bucks have went you know in the past and and expired and stuff like that so that that is another good tip um if you know know the land know where the thick areas are at least you have a good basis of where to start but don't let it cloud your judgment because yeah. that is what um threw me off when i was looking for ghost i was dead set that i seen him go this way and that's where the history of the deer have went and um it clouded my judgment Never know if they might take a left-hand turn. Yep, or just do quick. a nice little J-hook. Yeah, and a little J-hook and expire right yep. there. So, All right, well, uh, let the listeners know where they can, if they want to purchase some Sound Barrier, uh, where they can find it and where they can read all these blogs. Yeah, so uh, soundbarrierhunting.com, soundbarrierhunting.com. Uh, they're pretty easy. You can kind of tool around and... Uh, Find our shop and find the, the buck bumper, which is the wrap for soundproof and all your hunting gear. And then you'll see the blog there, and you can look through all the different topics and uh, read those. So Nice, man. Well, we appreciate you coming on. I think this was a good a good off-the-wall off kind of episode, man. This is something that we wanted to cover, and uh, we had someone that had some experience of actually having a hunt, shooting a deer in a rainstorm, um, and finding the deer. So appreciate you coming on, man. Well, thanks for having me. This is, like I said, this is a little bit of a hard answer to answer. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Should I hunt in the rain, man? It goes back to blood tracking. goes back to um, if the bucks are moving, you need to be there. And if we, we bounce back and forth in this one. Um, he shares a great hunt, a lot of action. And uh, like I said, he's all for it. Um, check out soundbarrierhunting.com. A lot of good content on that blog right there. And uh, I'm excited to try out the sound barrier and uh, see what it's about. We'll let the followers know on Instagram or on Facebook um, what we think about it, what we're using it on. And, and Twitter. Uh, yeah, and Twitter and give you a solid review of, uh, of what we think um, 
um, Adam seems like a really solid dude, and uh, we're excited uh, to try his product and uh, continue continue reading some of his blogs. Um, we hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Just giant shout out to you guys. You guys have been crushing the listens lately. Um, huge thank you to that. We're trying to bring you some content. Whitetail a lot. What's that? Hit up the iTunes review if oh, you're yeah. uh, oh, yeah. if you're feeling yeah. Homie says, hit up an iTunes <laughs> review if you're feeling frisky. There you go. We had a epic review. I think it was a three-star <laughs> a while back. That was a, That was a fire one. That was the most honest Sick. review we got ever. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, if you guys want to leave a review, that'd be great. Um, if not, just keep like, hitting that play button. Hopefully, you're getting some kind of content. If you're not getting any content, hopefully, you're getting some enjoyment, entertainment, something. <laughs> just laugh at us, yeah, at just least. just laugh at how dumb we are. Whatever it takes. Um, but we appreciate you guys tuning in every week. There you are again, whatever it takes. Yep. Um, we're coming out with another banger after this one. Um, you guys aren't going to miss want to miss that one. Another legend coming at you next week. All right. Um, always try to do the right thing. Leave a legacy. And White to Legacy's out until next Wednesday at 11 a.m. Central Time when you need to listen to the next legend episode. <laughs> We're out. <laughs> out.